You're listening to Consolidate That. Welcome back to Consolidate That. Ivan, we've got a wonderful guest. I brought another doctor for you today to make you feel at home. So I'll let you go ahead and introduce our guest. Another doctor and MBA. So we're. I know, you're a perfect match. But my experience is not as profound. So I'm very excited to introduce you guys to a colleague of mine, Dr. Jamie Paquette. She is the Chief Veterinary Officer in Pet Paradise. So she joined Pet Paradise in 2017 as a Chief Veterinary Officer to work with a strong team that's similarly committed to establishing pet wellness as a priority. She completed her pre-medical studies in the Job Hopkins University and earned a doctoral degree at University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine. She also holds a Master's of Business Administration and currently serves on the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine Admission Committee. As an entrepreneur at heart, Dr. Paquette has owned and operated several successful veterinary hospitals and franchises. She is committed to providing quality and innovative healthcare to pets in a convenient environment for busy pet parents. Welcome to the show. Thank you for finding the time. Thanks for having me. Your career path is amazing. So you own several Papa Jones as the franchise. Is that yes, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes, 13 in total. 13 wow. of them. Yes. Okay. And then, so now Pet Paradise is not a franchise. It's a, it's a true pet spa. If nobody checked it out before, please go to Pet Paradise and find it on Google, I guess. Or what's the website? Pet. Yeah, PetParadise.com. And we yeah. made it easy for you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's a, it's an incredible facilities. I know, Ryan, you bring your pets over there as well. And it's, oh, a, yeah. I showed it to our Ukrainian team and half of them said that it looks much better than their previous vacation. Yeah. So they all they wanted to come and visit and stay <laughs> yeah. there. So. We don't take human guests, just so you uh, know. Come on. <laughs> we were hoping with a discount. Yeah. Uh, so that's incredible. Now, can you tell us just a little bit, how does that journey happen? You become a veterinarian and then... So, yeah, I guess backing up a little bit, I... I worked for Banfield my first year after graduating veterinary school. And, you know, you just watch the clients pour in the doors from PetSmart. I mean, you talk about guaranteed clientele. Even on the slow days, you had, all you had to do is go throw on your white coat and your stethoscope and walk into uh, PetSmart and go talk to a client that's looking at a dog food or cat food and educate them. And before you knew it, you know, you had a new client. So the business model of convenience and a one-stop shop is what people wanted, right? So, and they still do today. Nothing's really changed there from when I first graduated in 2003. So talk about a location being one of the major keys to a business. What better real estate could you have had than a veterinary hospital being inside a major pet store that also offers grooming and trainings? Naturally, I reached out to corporate and uh, asked to purchase one. So, you know, I bought a second one along the lines. And then Mars, the candy company, came in and purchased Banfield from Scott Campbell, who started the company, the founder, a very innovative man and a visionary, really, in the vet. And he's really changed the vet industry. But they came in and purchased. And the franchisees really knew they had a five-year. They're on a five-year plan now. Our, our clock is starting. So I was thinking to myself, what else could I do? You know, I really enjoy the business aspect. And so I went and got my MBA. And then I started looking at other franchises. And, you know, there was nothing really else out there in the vet franchise space. And, you know, I wanted to go to a, vet, a franchisee-friendly company. And so I started looking at a bunch of franchises. And uh, Papa John's just resonated with me. They were franchisee-friendly. And they there was a, a room for expansion up in the New England area where 
you know, there were 66 open trade areas. So I, I got into that. And so, yeah. And so after um, Papa John's, you know, the Pet Paradise had been formed in 2003 and they were a resort with uh, grooming, day camp and boarding. And they were looking to expand into the veterinary industry and retrofit all the existing resorts, which at the time, I think there were about 23 retrofit all of those with veterinary services and all the new resorts going forward would have veterinary services built out. So we're building eight to 10 a year and we're putting in these clinics and building them from the ground floor and working with the development team and marketing. And it's really exciting. And it's, it's very different from, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel either. Just like franchises, we're trying to take everybody's experiences, everything we've done in the past. And, you know, if we, we have something, we can utilize it. And if not, then we work on it together and, and come up with another solution. That's how I got into Pet Paradise. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> You've obviously had a lot of experience. I, I think it's really interesting. Ivan and I are always talking about how unusual the DVM MBA path is. I know you and I have talked a few times about how there there isn't business courses taught during veterinary school, which I think would be something hugely valuable and really important, something that consolidation is bringing. But between running your clinics and going to get your MBA, what do you think was something that you learned different from your MBA that you hadn't learned or that you wish you had had when you started your locations? Oh, yeah, that's a great question because yeah, everyone says it's rare and and why is it so rare? And, you know, I, I kind of I look at it like it's similar to relating having a law degree to a with a master's in marine biology. I mean, it's <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's no different. It's it's foreign to vets and not part of their wheelhouse. You know, however, it really rounds out our knowledge of anatomy and physiology with a business degree. So most new vets or even seasoned ones do not understand how a hospital or clinical practice makes money, how to manage people, how to make or interpret financial models or or lead in general. So it really provides vets with even just more immediate clout in decision-making scenarios. So it can help, I mean, even senior vets prepare to transition into leadership or management roles if and when they decide to throttle back on practicing clinical medicine. So I think earning a MBA provides doctors with solid leadership foundations to build upon and a practical tool set necessary to address many of the looming challenges in our industry today. So it's it's a great way for, I think the main thing really is, it really speaks to the leadership and recruiting and retaining vets, engaging employees, coaching, mentoring, customer experience, you know, all those things you're not taught in veterinary school. And then Banfield would gave me a foundation, which is unlike any other veterinary practice. And then I, you could take that and build in the MBA and take it to another level. That's awesome. It's so funny because when I graduated, I wanted to be an ER vet or radiologist. It was all kind of veterinary career path. Very yeah. few vets want to progress from finishing this, you know, very difficult journey and not use it, right? This is, yeah. well, it's actually more, less rare these days. But the interesting part is that then this veterinarian who was dreaming to be, you know, treating patients and knowing, you know, medicine, and then decides to become a business owner. If I decide to become a radiologist or a surgeon, I'll take the next four years education. Yeah. If I decide to become a business person, I just 
go and try to do it. And the, the yeah. danger of that is pretty close to as becoming radiologists without the training. Because yes. you end up in the business that you own. There's people that depend on your paycheck. And then you turn from an amazing doctor to a terrible business owner. That's right. what happens. Right. So I think it should be sort of a prerequisite if you're interested in, you know, that's an upgrade that you can take in the basic training. It would be interesting actually what to do before that. And what a great way to use a franchise that has it down. But my question is actually about that source of patients. So more and more we're hearing from the networks and, and from the clinics that there's no lack of patients anymore. And especially with the COVID and people paying more attention on what's going on, there's tons and tons of patients and there's not enough veterinarians. Do you see that these days the client acquisition and that conversation in the aisles of pet store is not as important as scaling the veterinary services or is that not what you're seeing in pet paradise? No, I would agree with you. I don't I don't think it's as important. There's plenty of patients to go around. I mean, most of us are inundated with pets and you know, you're getting more and more compassion fatigue and it's not getting any better for the veterinarians and there's so few of them. No, I absolutely, I think the uh, market's there. I think, again, you take those, your experiences and and those educations and, you know, whether it's the business world or whatnot, and and you have to understand those, that ever-changing drivers that affect us, uh, pet insurance, telemedicine, DVM shortage, marketing strategies. So, no, I, I agree. You've got to scale and you've got to make it convenient for clients and even curbside, you've got to keep pivoting, right? And I think it's all part of it, but you just got to be open to it. And you, we can't stay in these narrow-minded, you know, I just do medicine and that's it. I mean, we need to keep growing. And it's, it's not only professional development, but it's personal development as well. I think from what I've heard and from what I understand from vets, they enjoy being busy, right? People, like we've talked, mm-hmm. people go into veterinary medicine because they want to help the animals and the patients, right? So is having sort of the foundation of Pet Paradise a beneficial way to be able to attract talent, knowing that there's going to be some of that driving factor of people coming in for the boarding and the grooming and the daycare? Does that help you guys attract talent of veterinarians or is that something different that people are looking perhaps to be in a a more traditional location? Well, you know, we've found it to um, attract vets. I know it's difficult and we're, we're always talking with people, you know, what are you offering veterinarians? What do veterinarians want? You know, and we're trying to tap into their needs. And one of the big things is work-life balance. I mean, we hear it all the time. When they started saying that, I was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> work-life balance? What, what What is the definition of that? But, you know, that's what they want. And I think for us, what we can give them is one of the big things is for even compassion fatigue, you you help all these other pets all day long and yours sits home at the couch, you know, and by itself. And that really affects us. We allow them to bring their pets to day camp every day. So they're with their pets if they want to be. But also, I think we are so used to seeing sick pets, those healthy puppies that walk in the door. I mean, we see more sick and injured pets than healthy ones. But in pet paradise, you know what? You just were down, you had a euthanasia or you had a sick animal or, you know, this case is, you know, very stressful. You go out and you walk around and watch the dogs play. Go watch. I'll tell you, we say it all the time that any of the people from headquarters, all you do is go down and watch those dogs play in the pool and it never gets old. It never gets old. I mean, and you saw it probably. Oh, right? yeah. I have my, whenever yeah. they're there, we, if we're traveling, we, we always are constantly taking screenshots of the webcams of them jumping in and out of the pool yeah. and having a good time. And it's, uh, yeah, it's great. It's super fun. And it's the same reason I like to bring my puppies in to work with me when I work out of my co-working yeah. space. Cause 
you can just see people brightening up. So that's that's an interesting idea. I never thought about the desire to see happy, smiling animals during yeah. your day as well. It really is. And I don't think we realize you realize it until you're actually in it and you get to see pets having fun instead of the sick patients all the time. So yeah, to, to talking about the ER, that was my world where it's just all not happy. So yeah. I wonder if you guys allow uh, owners also or the employees jump in the pool. Ivan, your picture is going to be your picture is going to be on the wall. Do not do not allow this <laughs> man. This guy, the bald guy, the bald the bald guy is going to jump in the pool. Tell him no jumping in the yep. pool. Yeah. But so interesting that you touched on this is, you know, what veterinarians are looking for and the work-life balance. That's a huge area of what we are sort of working at VIS towards discovering. Mm-hmm. One part is that we do know that the industry is burned out and there's a bunch of stuff that people do when they're burned out. But as a part of it, and the more happy people that we talk to, and especially on our other podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs, I find that it's the veterinarians that's changed their sort of scope and perspective, just like yourself. So we are so goal-oriented. Mm-hmm. And when we reach our goal, becoming a veterinarian, sort of the end of yeah. that goal. And then if you don't set the next one, like yourself, you know, okay, I want to build a franchise. I'll do that. And then you're in this. So continuous goal setting. So do you see that more these days that that sort of extending that goal is maybe a solution to our burnout and sort of, you know, becoming sort of day-to-day compassion fatigue? Uh, is there something into it? Yeah. You know, I, I never really thought about it, but I think there was a valid point to that. Diversify what you're doing in general. I mean, I know it for a lot of people, sure, because of the burnout. And then also they just, you kind of do get into a routine and a rut, right? I mean, like anything else. So I think it's a very valid point that I had not thought about, but I I do think you're right. And then I think some people just need more, you know, work these hours, go home and and they need to, they need to rely on those hours, which, you know, it's hard because we're in the healthcare industry. So you can't promise them that either, even though you want to, you'll get out at six o'clock when we know that that may or may not be the case. So I, I do think diversifying what they're doing a little bit would help. I mean, they've been in the veterinary field, most of them since they were kids. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That, that's sort of the line that we're trying. This is the next hypothesis that we're trying to develop further and see that if goal setting, even the, the continuous education is sort of that next thing that you need to do and be very structured about it. Mm. Because if the new grad comes out and it was a dream to become a vet. And then when it becomes, you know, vaccination conversation day to day, you know, 20 times a day, it was funny. I was talking to Pat Welsh from Vet Bloom. He's, you know, he's an ophthalmologist. So he got bored immediately when he graduated and he said, okay, I'm going to become an ophthalmologist, because I don't want to talk about the vaccines every day. Right. And then he did the residency. And then after that, he's talking about glaucoma every day. And then he, and then he pivoted completely because he was like, okay, I want to do something new entrepreneurial. So he's developing this amazing vet bloom platform. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it was interesting to see a perspective of someone that dedicated not just just the veterinary, but also the specialty degree to it. And then, yeah. you know, diversified after that into something that is sort of near the vet field, but he's a specialist in ophthalmology. So yeah. know, that was interesting conversation. That is interesting. And, and yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. And and the happier people that we see are those that sort of chose that different path. Well, we burned through 20 minutes. We usually <laughs> promise our listeners to, to kind of limit it to that. So I just want to, again, talk about the pet paradise for who is your best customer, where they find you, which uh, locations, if there's not the huge list or... or there is a huge list, Ivan. There is, they're, they're big. 20, how many locations? 
We have 40 now. We 40 now, have yeah. 40. We're actually um, just opened our 43rd and we'll have 45 by the end of this month. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so we're building out about eight to 10 a year and they're about, you know, anywhere 13 to 15,000 square feet. Yep. And so people can go to petparadise.com to be able to find that full list of them, which is great. And much, much like you said, I know you guys are always looking for new talent. So any new veterinarians or or existing veterinarians that are looking for a new opportunity, obviously go on there and check out what you guys have going on. Cause I know it's, it's a really cool place. I know we've, we've worked together on some other projects too. So Mm -hmm. I, a big fan of what you guys have going on. So two questions that we always ask to end with people are the a book that you would recommend, something that you're reading or something that really impacted you when you did read it. Sure. Yeah. Actually, this was a, a recommendation from our CEO, Fernando Acosta-Rua. It was a great book. Uh, it's called Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. It's um, about increasing the intelligence and achievements of your team versus diminishers who are intelligent people, but but they sap the intelligence and energy out of the room because they are more focused on their own intelligence than the potential smarts within their own team. So I think it's a great book. And uh, I mean, it's a thick book, but you can get the audio. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then our one other question is, who else would you recommend having us uh, reach out to to join the podcast with us? Oh, well, so my, my, and of course I would choose Scott Campbell, the founder of Banfield. And I'll tell you, he's great. He's visionary. He, he's been great, but also he still will pick up. He has his same cell phone he did 30 years ago and he still picks it up. So he's a great uh, mentor and an advocate for our profession in general. So he's still around. <laughs> that would be my, my pick. Perfect. Well, I know there's a ton of things that we can hit on with you. I think we would we would love to have you back again and talk with you about our success series and maybe talk about some of the the sales of, of practices that you have going on and, and your history on those things as well. But for this time, we'll we'll call it a day and we really appreciate having you on Dr. Pickett and yeah, look forward to for talking to you again soon. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com.